Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the Ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. This morning, we, we've titled it Celebration and Anticipation. And for all of you who came out and you can join us for lunch afterwards, it's going to be a great time. We're just going to eat lunch. We're going to have some sloppy joes. And, uh, and because the rest of you who are at home, we get leftovers, you don't. So that's just how it is. Um, but anyway, that's, and so today we just wanted to, we want to celebrate what God's done over the last year. And we want to talk about maybe what, what, what is, what's the spirit, what's the purpose of 2018? What does Jesus want, want for us in our church? And so, but before I kind of get into the numbers in just a moment, I, I want you to know that everything we do here at the church is motivated by two things. Everything we do is motivated by the, by the great commandment and it's motivated by the great commission. But I want you to look at the great commandment. Why, why, what, what did Jesus say to us? What did he declare to us? And this is what he said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul and your mind and with all your strength. And so he said, that's, that's, that's the first commandment. That's what really matters. Then he says this, also... I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so this is what we are desiring to do as a church, to put God number one in our lives and to put other people number one in our lives so that we can re reflect the nature of the God that we serve through everything that we do to, to, uh, to touch their lives. And so out, out, of, out of these two things, the way that we've said that, we feel like says it the best way, is that we want people in our church, we want them to know God, which is to love God. We want people to find freedom, which is to be in relationships with other people and to grow with them and to and process through that. And so that's how we say these two things, know God and find freedom. The, the great commission, which is the other great that we do, that all of us are very familiar with, is this, this idea that Jesus gives gives a commission to every disciple, every person on the planet to do something. That Christianity just doesn't start with you and then end with you. It starts with you and it ends with however many people that God wants to use your life to touch. And this is what he told his disciples and he's telling us, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the ends of the age. This is our second two that we, we've, we realize this says it the best way. Yeah, we could say that every person is called to, um, to reach the lost and to make disciples, but that doesn't mean to people who don't know God. That doesn't mean anything maybe to some of you. And so how do we say it in something that says what Jesus said? And this is how we say it, that you, everyone in this church, is called not only to know God and find freedom, but you're called to discover your purpose and to make a difference because God has placed it in each and every one of us. And so I just, I want to walk through this morning, kind of we, why do we exist? What's the reason? How do we use our resources? What's the purpose of us as a church? And so we exist as a church to reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus Christ and bring them into an ever-growing relationship with God. Don't you agree with that? We agree with that. I think we all agree with that. And so we want to just, I want to walk over 2017. You might think, oh man, I forgot we were going over numbers today. But I, I, here's the deal. Numbers, numbers, yeah, they, they, can see, they can seem like they're just kind of information, but they're not. Every number, every number represents a person. 
And every person has a story. And so we want to share that. We want to celebrate these numbers today. And so just so you know, we're going to just touch on some financial things. And then we're going to get into our four purposes and how we fulfilled those this year. But our financial, our general tithes and our offering, this is what, what we have given. Special gifts that were given to the church. This is what, what was given in our services and online on, on resources that was given to the church. Which I think is worth celebrating. And this is the number that was given $6.1 million. Come on. Isn't that awesome? And, and, and let, let, me, let me just say something to you. This isn't like, you know, 10 people who gave this. This isn't, no, no, it's not. It's really not. This is us together. Everyone giving something. Everyone being a part of the vision of this church. Whether it's $5 a week or $10 a week or it's 1000 2000 5000 whatever that is. This number exists because you guys trusted God. Took God at his word and began to sow into the kingdom of God. And I just want to thank you for that. And so we're going to walk through kind of what have we, what have we done with this money? How have, we, how have we used it for the glory of God? Because this is what I know. When we are saved, God calls us to be a part of a family. He doesn't call you to be an individual. When we are saved, God calls us to be a part of a church. God calls us to be a part of a, of a community like this where you, there is leadership, there's pastors, there's teaching, there's elders, there's oversight, there's volunteers that we're serving a common purpose, a common, uh, a, a common direction and vision. And why do we exist as a church? And so our desire is to, is to do that and to accomplish that. And so what I, I know is this. I know know that we can accomplish more together than we can as individuals. So we get a part of the harvest of God and you don't even know which people you're touching in the world because you're a part of this community. You may, your, your dollar may not have touched that one person, but your dollar made a way to touch that person, which then helped us touch 10 more people. This is what's called a good return on investment is souls, isn't it? This is what's called that. And so we as a church, as a family, are doing more together than we could ever do as individuals. And that's what the church is supposed to be. And that's why we exist as a church today. So just so you know, it, it's very important. You also want to know this, that every year for the past 30 years, every year for the past 30 years, um, we as a church at Faith Bible Chapel has had a, an independent audit that's done but an out, outside accounting firm, they come in, they go through all of our books, they look at everything, they make sure that there's, and we want them to. We come in, you find anything that you think could be off, and I'm telling you, for 30 years, they have given us a passing, a passing grade with flying colors. And so that's, that's worth celebrating, the integrity of our leadership over the last 30 years. It really is. It really is. Um, but if you have any questions about any of that, you can contact our business administrator, Doug Newcomb. He'd love to chat with you and answer any questions that you have. But I just want to walk through some of these expenses over 2017. And just so you know, we made other adjustments for 2018, which they are not reflected in this. But we're, we're continuing to evaluate, continuing to shave, continuing to squeeze every bit of impact we can out of every single dollar or resource or program that we possibly can. Because we've got a limited time on on this earth. I'm telling you, we've got a limited time. Jesus, I, I'm thinking, man, he's, he's coming back soon. That's what it seems like, and that's what it feels like. And when I look around our world, we are living in a broken, hurting world that the only hope that they possibly have is in Jesus Christ. And I believe the only hope in the world is the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ through the local church. Because even if you, someone gets saved on the street corner, that's great. Then what's going to happen to them? Where do they go? That's why for us as a church, we're the boat. 
And so when we pull people from, from the sea of a dark world, and we pull them, and that we get, we, they are in our net, and we pull them in to our boat by the gospel, we're able to take care of them, we're able to help them. And so this is how we've done that as an organization this year. So anyway, our expenses out of 2017 is this. And here's the, here's the graph, and we're going to have, it's difficult and hard to see on here, but I'll just run through each one of these. There's ministry expense, which are a ministry and pastoral expense, which is 35%. It's uh, how we serve our, our, our marriage and family ministry, um, growth track, um, any creative arts that we do, which includes worship and music and drama, um, even over uh, in the children's ministry. Any of those things that touches that, that's how we, that's how we um, have um, set that aside. There's evangelism, pastoral counseling, benevolence to meet the needs of people in our church, men's ministry, women's ministry, small groups. So this ministry expense, that 35% of the 6.1 comes from that. Also, we have admin and, and ministry support, which is accounting, res, um, human resources, the IT, information technology, anything that happens in our, in, our, uh, in our church, employee benefits, savings, mortgage, liability insurance, workers' compensation, insurance, all those fun things that we love to talk about. But that's what all of that covers. Also, here's pretty, it's pretty remarkable, and, uh, and we're, we are higher than the national average is our missions. So we do 13% of that 6.1 for world missions to impact the world outside of the church, outside of these walls, outside of things that are happening in countries and nations to support missionaries. And so it's our local outreaches, our overseas outreaches, our Israel ministry, our international ministry, um, Convoy of Hope, our missions program. And so 13% of that goes and touches that and has really transformed lives around the world. 21% of the 6.1 is our facilities, like all of our campuses, um, transportation, kitchen, utilities, janitorial, repairs, landscaping. Here's one for you. Snow removal. That's on there. Church offices, parking lots, sports fields. So that's 21% of that. And here's, the, here's the next one is this, our kids and youth and the investment of that is our faith student ministries and what it takes to, to touch our, our teenagers and our junior hires and our children and to lead them and give them a safe place and environment to be and tools to minister with and the staffing to take care of them and the technology to track them and all those different things. There's, all, there's tons of details underneath each one of these, but this gives you a bigger picture of that. And so the, this is the pie graph and, and at the end of this, I'll give you a website you can go to that you can look further through. And again, if you have any questions, you can, you can let us know. Now, I want to get into how did we fulfill the four purposes of our church through the, the, uh, the offerings and the tithings that all of us, everyone here, has given to God for the sake of the ministry. And so the first purpose is to know God. How do we fulfill God's calling us to help people to love him, to help people to know him? And our desire is to help people know God. Without this step, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You'll never find freedom unless you first know God. You'll never discover your purpose unless you first, your heart is transformed and changed by the love of God through his son Jesus Christ. You'll never make a difference in the world until you first know God. And here's, here's the other thing. You can make it to heaven with a bad marriage, but you can't make it to heaven without Jesus Christ. You can make it to heaven with, with all kinds of stuff in your life, but you can't make it to heaven without a committed relationship with Jesus Christ. So this matters to us. This is, this is the big deal right here. The know God, this is the big deal. And I just want to celebrate and celebrate with all of you that this year as we've been tracking and we, we wanted to, to do this 
properly. We're not evangelistically speaking about this number. This is, a, this is a true number. People who have made a commitment from, our, from all our different ministries, including in, in our services here. This is how many people made a commitment to follow Jesus this year in, at Faith Bible Chapel. It's this number. We've had 813 salvations. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Come on. That's awesome. And so we have 813 people who have made a commitment. And so our desire is as they respond to do our best to connect with them, to do our best to get the information, to do our best to help them come and work their way along the way. Because it's not just about reaching people for Jesus. It's about helping them take the next step after they get saved. That's the first step. And then there are many other steps after that. That's our desire to do that. And so one of the reasons why we're tracking numbers, again, because every number is a person, every person does have a story, but also the reason why we track numbers is so that we can give ourselves a grade. How are we doing? Where are the gaps in our ministry that we can, we're not, we're not discipling enough. We're, we're getting these many salvations and we're not discipling enough people, which helps us focus our energy, our resources, our strategy, and how do we, how do we make a greater, long-lasting impact. Because it's just not about people getting saved and give them a, you know, a slap on the back, a Bible, and, and, a, and a high five, and then say, go grab a cup of coffee. That's that's not what this is about. This is about helping people walk. Because from a broken world, can you imagine, no matter people, and all of us here in this room understand this, we, man, if we first got saved and no one else spoke into our lives or no one else helped us along or we didn't get involved in the small group, we didn't get connected in growth track, if we didn't, and we just were left on our own, we, we wouldn't make it. And so that's what the church's purpose is. And that's why all of us can have an impact. All of us can make a difference. And so um, anyway, so there's 813 salvations. Out of those 813, we've had 71 baptisms. And we recognize, wow, what's the big gap? Man, what's going on here? And so we looked. Our, the national average is normally somewhere around 8 to 10% of salvations of a church. And so we fall within that. But, but who wants to be average? Right? I mean, I, I did, the Lord, no, I, I'm not following him so we can be average. I want to be above average. I don't even, I forget average. I want, to, I, want, I want supernatural things to happen in our church. And so we're believing this year that we can, we can close this gap. So we're believing for more. The next number that we have, how people have known God this year, is that in our Easter services, we, have, we had 200, 834 people join us on Easter and hear the gospel message and, and be impacted by the gospel message, which we're so thankful for that. And also... Next one we've had at our Christmas um, services, we had um, 3,181 people attend, and that was such a great time for us. But these are, these are, these are touches for people to know God. Because people would come to church on Easter or come to church on Christmas, and, and they'd be more open to that than they would every week. And so we just wanted to give you guys those numbers and really what's going on in the church. And, you know, as, as, we've, as we've sensed and felt, there, we do have a growth. There is growth that's happening. Um, we're, we're increasing in numbers. But what we wanted to do is create a baseline for us over the next 10, 15 years to know where are we. And so this is our baseline this year. So everything we see this year, our desire is to grow on that this year. And so also so you know our average weekly attendance this year has been 1,835, which is really great, which is the growth from, from last year. And you, you may be thinking, okay, your reference point is wherever, are, is that better? Is it, it is better. It's better, and we're grateful for that, but we're going to build on this. We're going to build on this. Are you, are you guys with me? We're going to build on this. We're building on this. 
And so in the report will be the, the breakdown of where all these numbers fall and the kids and our, and our prayer chapel and our main service. And also we, we do have an online audience that joins us. And um, it's, it's probably somewhere around two, two, 200 to 250 people a weekend that join us online and listen to the message and participate and worship that way. And so we're, we're just grateful for that. So anyway, so then our, our next... Um, purpose for us as a church is find freedom. So when you see the first one, you see all the workings of, of what it took to pull that off, but you also see the impact of that. Also, the, other, the next purpose for us is finding freedom. We believe that God, when he saved you again, he didn't save you to be an individual, he saved you to be a part of a family. And so what that means is, is what are our programs, our staffing, how do we help people find freedom? How do we help them take that step forward? And so um, these are some of the numbers that we have here at the church. For, as far as our small groups, we have 53 small groups that meet regularly, that people do life on life. They study the word together or they fellowship together. Um, some of them are activity groups. Some of them are outreach groups that go and serve. And so these are people who are growing together, who are building relationships together. This really matters. You guys will hear more about this next week. But you, you better make sure you have somebody in your life. That when you need somebody in your life, you got somebody in your life. And how we approach this. Well, is small groups biblical? Is it really? Yes, it totally is biblical. How the church met in the book of Acts is they gathered in the temple courts. In other words, large gathering. They were preaching from the apostles and, and, the, uh, and, and the disciples. They were teaching and preaching. And then it says... They went from house to house. They gathered. There was, there was the large gathering. There was the small gathering. And it's in the small gathering that we saw that numbers were added to them. How often? The Bible says daily. God added to their numbers daily. How many want a little daily growth? I do. I want some daily. I, I want us as a church to grow every day. Every day there's, there's a certain growth in our, in our midst. And so... That's how it happened, through small groups. And so some of you are leading small groups. Some of you are signed up for small groups. I want to tell you, you are going to hate the word small groups at the end of this year, or you're going to love the word small groups at the end of this year because you're in one. Because I really believe this is what God has for us. You need people in your life. I need you in my life. You need me in your life. We need people in our lives. And so we have leaders who have signed up who want to create an atmosphere of a meeting that you guys can gather, whether it's once a week or every other week or whatever that is that fits your schedule. And you can choose according to that. But we need to grow in our relationships with, with one another because when you go through something, it's just like climbing a mountain. You can't do it by yourself. You want to climb Mount Everest, that's life is Mount Everest. You better have a team and you better do it with people who love you and believe God's best for your life. And so this, these are our small groups. Another one of our uh, things that we're really happy about, how people are finding freedom, is our Celebrate Recovery. More than 50 people every week are coming and God is touching them and changing their lives from things in their lives, some hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And God is doing amazing things in their life. And so you'll hear more about that um, next week as well. And then... Another thing, we have Mom's Morning Coffee, which is a place for moms who are at home with their babies, and they can come out and provide child care, and they can be challenged and grow in the Word together. And so it's just, it's just really great to, to see this happening. And then one of our other purposes, our next purpose is this, that people would discover their purpose. So we want everyone to know God. We want people to find freedom. But also, we want people to discover purpose. You were placed on this earth with a purpose. God has his fingerprint on your life. You have a purpose. And so one of the ways that we help people grow in that is through what we call our growth track. And so our growth track this year, is it launched in September. And in three months, 
um, it, was, it was offered. We had 205 people who started the track. They, to, to know more about, or to, to learn about who we are as a church, to learn about who God has made them to be and where they can fit in the church, how they can be a part of the church, and discover their purpose in the body of Christ, which I'm so proud of us for people who signed up. And so out of the three months, we had 106 people complete the track all four weeks. Um, and then also we had 93 new commitment cards that were signed at the end that said, yes, I want to be a part of this church. Yes, I want to serve at this church. Yes, I'm committed to this church. Can we thank God for that, for that number? Isn't that great? That's really good. And so anyway, this is, this is our Discover Purpose. And so our next one is uh, this last purpose. All these things lead to this last purpose, that you were made to make a difference. You weren't placed on this earth just to, just to go by, just to glide. You were actually made to make a difference. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, but not me. Maybe you, Jason, but not me. I want you to know something. That's a lie from Satan himself. I'm telling you, God made you to make a difference. He created you to make a difference. And so I, I, I want you to see for our church how many people that we have who are volunteers and have served in 2017. This is the number. 858 volunteers gave it their time this year. Can we give them a hand? Seriously, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And so this, this, is, the, this is the amount of people. And I will tell you this, we need more. We need more. More people to pull this off. More people to space out the times of serving so that some of these folks, man, they serve like, you know, every weekend or every other weekend. And, and so it would be great if we could create a, a system. That's what we're going to do where people are serving. They're a part of a team. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm going to be sharing um, next month is that um, what, what are we calling our team? All of us are on the same team here at the church. I want to talk through some values. And if we're going to be either a volunteer or on staff, there are some four key values that all of us have to follow and that we're really going to seek God's heart for a fresh new year. But anyway, that's, uh, this is how many people serve every weekend. Every week, 254 volunteers make church possible. So as, as we are sitting here, I know some of you serve as well, there are people serving all over this church to make church possible. You know why? Because they're part of your family. Because, listen, somebody's got to take out the trash. Somebody's got to vacuum the living room floor. Someone's got to clean um, the bathroom. Someone's got to serve. Someone's got to take care of the kids. Someone's got to volunteer in the high school. So, so, so they said, I'll do it. I, I don't know if I can, but I'll do it. And God is using them. They are making a difference in people's lives. That number of 813 is a number that was collected from every ministry that we do. So you are making a difference. Our volunteers, I, I'm so proud to be serving and doing ministry with you. But this is the number, 254 volunteers. And another way we're we're making a difference is, is there were kids this year who did not have any Christmas gifts at all. They, they were going to have a, a Christmas morning that was going to be empty and, and, what, and their parents are going to have to look at their faces and say we couldn't do it. Well, you, do you know what you guys did? You know how you made a difference? You provided 325 local kids with Christmas gifts through the giving tree. Isn't that awesome? Come on, let's give God a hand on that. Thank you. So cool. Because we're making a difference. And also we helped deliver 14 semi-trucks of food and aid. And we fed 850 children. We helped start 75 micro-businesses this year. You guys are making a, a crazy difference in the world. And in other ways, our 75 missionaries that we are making a difference with, that you're making a difference, is we're supported, we've supported, we support 75 missionaries through 24 organizations in more than 50 countries. And so we 
are making a difference. You are making a difference. And God has a greater impact for us. Also, our missionary work involves orphanages. So you're, you're putting food in kids' bellies. Um, church planting, disaster relief, Bible schools, community development, and more. You know who's doing that? We are. We as a church family, Faith Bible Chapel, we are a part of doing this. That's awesome. That is awesome. And so out of our 21 days of prayer, which today we're concluding this, and how many have enjoyed this 21 days of prayer? I, I really have. It's been so wonderful for me personally. And uh, we'll be doing it again. And so this is, and this is actually, this is one of the, the points that I'm talking about today in just a second, is that I believe we're called to be people of prayer. I believe that prayer transforms and changes and shifts the atmosphere and God's, and, and on the earth to bring God's kingdom to make an impact in a way that, that only he can make. And that is because what God's doing here is because we have decided to pray. And so out of these 21 days of prayer, we prayed for 1,382 personal requests from people in this church. And we've heard testimonies, and we've heard God answer prayers. Why? Because we made a decision. We're going to pray. And you had the courage to write those prayer requests down, so thank you for that. Guys, we're making a difference, and God is using us to make a difference. And all of this is because, why? We're part of a family. Because we invest into the kingdom of God together. And so just, just a couple things which I think is important. You know, um, everything we do, yes, they're, they're all, those are all spiritual things and great things. Um, but it's important. You know, family, uh, family life just has some real practical things that, that we do. And I think it's worth celebrating. Um, or, I don't, or not. I don't know. But as a church in 2017, um, the, this is how many donuts we ate. That was great. 30,000 donuts. That's great. We thought about putting the, uh, the, the calorie count of that. We thought, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Here's another thing. We, we, uh, we drank these many cups of coffee this year from the church. 32,000 cups of coffee. Man, you guys got a problem is what you guys do. And then just, just for fun, because, you know, hey, it's, it, it takes real resources to do real family life. We got this one here, so just so you know. Come on, can we thank God, though, for what he's done this year? It's great. It's great. Listen, I, I just want to briefly share with you some thoughts as we look into 2018. And, uh, you know, I guess yesterday is kind of like the state of the church and where we are and, and what God has done. And this is important, and, uh, it, and it really matters. But, you know, I, I'm going to share with you just... Just a couple things, not particularly about um, the details of 2018, but it's more about what is our purpose for 2018? What is it that we want to be the center of our lives? And just like in all of our personal lives, there are things that matter. At the end of your, at the end of your life, you're going to say, you know, how did I invest my life into things that really Mattered. Am I, am I at the end of my life going, going to champion, like, well, you know what, I read through the Bible, tw- you know, 472 times. Is, is that really going to be what you're going to anchor your life to? Now the Word of God you anchor your life to, but what are we going to say that we've accomplished? Not that that's wrong. Is it because, well, I went, I went to church these many times, or, or I, I, was, I was involved this much in, in this aspect, and, or how many Facebook posts did I make? Or, you know, I worked late most of my life, and your kids are like, what's your name? You're like, I'm dad. So, you know, I, or, or how, how many sports games? Oh, my, I went to these many sports games in, in my life, and you've ticked them all. Or how many people know your name? You know what? At the end of your life, you're probably not going to be counting those things. 
So the question is, what are going to be the things that mark your personal life? The things that really matter. The things that, that, you, that, that have immense value that are things that we will anchor our existence to and say, that's why I was alive. And these are really important questions. They're important questions for us to answer in your personal life. Because they can actually have a profound impact on you. So if we ask that personally and, and we come to the conclusion of what it means to actually have a life that matters. What it means to actually have a life that, that has an impact. What it means to, to have a life that, that we can really anchor our existence on. We, and, and we define that. We can, we can come to two conclusions. Either I'm going to ignore what I've found. Just keep living life as normal. Or I'm going to make a change in my life. And I'm going to change my life to what really matters, to what really has an impact. So these are questions that are not just for personal individuals, which you hear this a lot. These are questions really for us as a church. What really matters? What sits at the heart of Faith Bible Chapel? What sits at the heart of this church? What really is going to matter for us as we get to the end of 2018? What do we anchor our existence to? And so as we answer this question today, I, I want to look at some words from the Apostle Paul. I want to look at some words that he wrote. What's interesting, he wrote a church. He wrote a church. He actually wrote them two letters. And we call it First and Second Corinthians. And he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And let me, let me just set the context of what's going on in the church. Okay? Um, this church had a lot of problems. There was sexual immorality. There was bickering. Some people in the church were fighting and saying, you know what, I really follow Paul. Some were saying, no, I follow Peter. Some were saying, no, I follow Apollos. They were arguing about who was better and who was the one that they followed and who was the one. And actually, they were arguing about how the Holy Spirit moved in the church. They were fighting about it. Which is kind of funny that you'd fight about how the Holy Spirit moves in church. Some said, well, we're more spiritual than others because we have, we have these gifts in our life. Because, because we're better than you. Then there was competition. Then there was rivalry. And then there was difficulties. And, and maybe, maybe they even had disagreements about the areas of focus they believe the church should be going in. Or what was more important to really focus on or what isn't as important to focus on. And so Paul writes them this letter. That still, that doesn't speak to us. It shouts to us today. He writes them a letter to give them a baseline of why the church should exist. And he came, so since he was the one who started the church, since he was the one who was, who was always counseling the church, he says, hang on a second. Let me tell you what the church should be. And so I believe with all my heart that God gives us principles in his word of what should sit at the center, not only for me, but what should sit at the center of Faith Bible Chapel? And so as Paul writes them, he's reminding them of this church of what should sit at the heart of everything that they do. And he writes this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But I, I want you, if you could just go back just one moment, I want you to notice he came proclaiming, but he didn't become proclaiming with lofty speech or wisdom because he wanted to know. He decided, he made a decision. This is what church is about. 
to know nothing among you. What's he speaking of? The church. To know nothing within the church except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes on to the next. Says this. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. In other words, he recognized that, that, that he didn't have everything that they needed. He didn't have everything they needed. And much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So I believe what Paul was saying is this. What I want at the center of this church and what God wants is that they would do everything they possibly could to follow the example of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's like Paul in this statement, he puts everything of the church in a, in, in a pot. Have you ever done that? You put all the stuff in, in, in a pot and he sticks it over a stove and he cranks the heat up on it and he reduces it down to the essence of what the church should actually be. And you hear in this, it's, it's not just a social event, though it's a place that we gather and we're supposed to gather. Not just a place where we, we give of our finances for the work of the kingdom, but that's a place. Or, and we give of, the, of our finances because we're being obedient to God. It's not a place to be entertained. But they were to be a community of people, like you and me, who gathered around one message, and that is the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is something you need to understand. Every time the gospel should be preached, it should be good news. I've heard gospel messages before that I thought, man, that doesn't sound like good news. But every time the gospel is preached, there should always be a sense that this is good news. Not a message, though. What he was telling them, the message that that you were to proclaim is not a message that is changeable. It's not a message that they could make up and add things to. It's not a message that they could reinterpret and, and, and kind of position things so it's less offensive to the current culture at the time. It's all about the purity of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's Paul. Paul's probably, he's probably a genius. He studied under the greatest minds, and he himself was one of the greatest minds on really as far as theological or understanding the law, understanding um, prophets. He was the man. He was sharp, smart. And he could have showed up, man, with his, with his books. He could have showed up with his CDs. He, he could have showed up with his lofty words that people say, I don't know what he said, but it must be good. He could have put on a show of knowledge, a show of his genius, his fancy words. He could have spoke of all the mysteries that God had shown him. This was a guy who had been taken up into third heaven and shown things that he couldn't even speak of. He didn't come, though, that way. He didn't come in a manner where people said, wow, what a man. Paul did not want people to say, what, what, what an, a brilliant individual. He didn't want people to say, listen, I'm, I'm following Paul because of, do you know who else he hangs out with? Or, wow, he's so special. Or, or let's just be real. Wow, the music was exactly what I wanted. It, that, if, man, the music was great. That's what I wanted, therefore I'm going to go. Or the, the church was decorated the way I wanted it to be decorated. Therefore, I'm, I'm going to this church. 
Paul says none of that. There's no lofty wisdom. There's no show. There's none of that. He says, I came to you at that church in the midst of you to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is what matters. This is what matters. This is what should mark us as a church for 2018. Yes, do, do, we, do we do things to help us be more professional? Absolutely we do. Do we make adjustments in some of these areas so that we can communicate our message? Absolutely we do. But that is not why we do it. We do it so that we can only know Jesus Christ and him crucified in our midst. I want to look at three things really briefly. I believe God wants at the center of all we do in 2018. And the, and the first one is this, that we would be people who always speak of Jesus. Paul said, I came proclaiming. He said, I come proclaiming. Paul says that everything that I spoke of, everything that I proclaimed was so that you would know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul had focused his ministry and the ministry of the church that he was planting, he said this, you need to speak of Jesus, the one who died, who was crucified, who was dead, who was buried, and on the third day rose again. Listen, I, I've heard of it since we've started to do salvation messages, at the, or uh, salvation opportunity at the, every, at the end of every message. Well, you know, Jason, Scripture says that you need to move away from the elementary things of Jesus Christ. Actually, that is a wrong interpretation of what Scripture says. When the elementary things of, of, of Jesus Christ where they were looking to the law, they were looking to the old practices, they were looking to the festivals in order to, as a, is more significant than the real thing. They were looking at, at the, a type of Jesus, but they weren't looking at the real Jesus. They were trying to find their, their acceptance in Christ another way than accept in Jesus Christ alone. So that's what that means. The whole reality is this, Jesus is the center of everything that we do. We're not moving away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not what we're doing. We're focusing on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there will come a time when Jesus returns, there will come a time when our time on this earth to make a difference, it's over. Done. It's done. What's going to mark your life? Were you apart? of fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission. Did you help people know God? Did you help people find freedom? Did you help people make a difference? Did you help people discover purpose? I'm telling you, you can get to heaven with a bad marriage, but you can't get to heaven without Jesus. Now, we will help you in your marriage as a church, but our first, our first Passion is going to be the passion of God of why he sent his son to the earth. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. Why? So that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We're after the souls of men and women on this earth. We're after the souls of men and women on this earth. We're going to disciple we're going to move people forward, but we're going to keep Jesus the center of everything that we do. And here's the reality. It's really trendy today to say, you know what? And it's a, it's a quote from, uh, I, I, think a, I think it's a pope or St. Francis of Assisi who says to, to preach the gospel constantly and if necessary, use words. 
I get that. I understand what, what, what he's saying. He, he's not saying you don't need to use words. He's saying that your actions should line up with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this. Paul says this. How will anyone know unless someone preaches to them? And how can someone preach to them unless they are sent to preach to them? How? They can't. That's why the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is very, very important. So in everything that we do this year as a church, may we speak of Jesus. May every, every handshake, every, everything that we do, that if we call ourselves Faith Bible Chapel, how you work your job, what you communicate, the reality is at some point we are to speak of the hope that lies within us. You don't have to put a message together, but you do need to say, I'm a follower of Jesus because of what he's done for my life. Because he's, he's delivered me, he's saved me. Because as we speak it, we then begin to access the power of God. So what I want to mark our church in 2018 is that we speak of Jesus in every aspect of who we are. When we gather, we speak of Jesus to understand his power, to understand his sacrifice. But the other thing that Paul says is, I just didn't speak of him with words. I spoke of him with a demonstration of what? Of power. And that's the second thing we're going to do this year. We're going to trust in God's power. In other words, there is a greater impact that you and I can have in our daily lives, in our families, in this church, in the community around us that we cannot do on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to initiate, to guide us, to fill us, to anoint us, to do something that's greater than anything we could ever thought would be possible. Amen to that? And that's God's purpose and plan for us. So we must trust in God's power that he can do far above, immeasurably above, any more, more than what we can ask or think. Every life changed this year will be through the power of God. Every life, every marriage healed will be through the power of God. Every deliverance will be through the power of God. Every step anyone takes Knowing God and after that becoming a disciple of God is going to be only through the power. Not because of us, only because of we were vessels to the power of God. Nothing can happen in anyone's life unless it's only by the power of God. And the last one is this, that we would be a people that commit to pray. We would be a people that actually believe in the God that we serve, that he hears us, that he invites us to engage with him, that he invites us to talk to him just like I'm talking to you right now. That he invites us to lay things at his feet. That he invites us to have a relationship with the living God. When we don't know what to do, we know the one who knows what to do. When we don't know what direction to take, we know the one who knows all things. Not that he'll answer us when we want him to answer us, but as we talk to him, we begin a conversation with a God who wants to get in every area of our lives. And Paul this is how he laid out his ministry. When he wrote the Ephesians, when he wrote the Corinthians, he always set an example that he was a man of prayer. He always opened every letter with a prayer. It's God's strength and God's strength alone. And it's through communing with the real God who wants us to talk to, wants us to seek it. That's why, again, these 21 days of prayer have been so powerful. We've seen God do amazing things. And when's the last time? Again, that you just talk to God. Got in your car and told, oh, I can't, Jason. I, I, I sinned. I, I screwed up. I, I can't talk to God. Listen, God is waiting for your voice. 
He made you. He listens to you talk to everybody else all day long. He listens in on your conversations. He, he, I, I wish they talked to me. He's just a daddy. He just wants to hear his voice of his kids. Don't let the enemy rob you from the greatest relationship of your life. And that is a conversation with the living God who's waiting for you to talk to him. Let's commit to be a people who talk to God. Not only do we speak of Jesus, not only do we trust in his power, but we make a commitment, God, we're going to let you in our lives and we're going to we're going to commit to prayer. We will be nothing of substance, nothing of significance without being people of prayer. I believe our impact for 2018, I believe God has much for us that's to be discovered. God has much for your life that's to be, to be walked out. I think God's just looking for a church who's willing to say, God, we'll do whatever you want without trying to put God in an arm hold. Yeah, but God, this is what's really important to me. Okay. Have you asked him what's important to him? There are seasons for churches, just like there are seasons on the earth. We must discern the seasons. Like the sons of Issachar, they could see. They could discern the, the sign of the times so that they could respond appropriately. Let's not let our identity as a church become greater than the voice of God leading us as a church. Amen to that. Let's commit to prayer. Let's commit to seeking his, his face, seeking his heart. And God has invited us to be a part of his kingdom. To know him, to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, to make a difference. And it's an honor doing ministry with you. It's an honor. It's an honor being able to say eight, over 800 people came to know Christ this year. Like you think, Really? Even when I put that number up, you thought, no, that can't be right. There's no way. I'm telling you, it's right. And as Kurt was saying earlier, we pray for revival. We, we act like, we, God, we want it. And we do. Our heart says that God would use us. But here's the other thing. Are we prepared for revival? Are we prepared? Can, who's who's going to disciple them? Let's say our church doubles. And that number, that's, that's our attendance on the weekend. Our, our church is larger than that. But that's just those we wanted to represent how many people are with us on the weekend. So let's just say, let's just say we're a church of, of 2,000 or 2,200 people. And so let's just say God doubles us next year. Who's going to disciple those people? I can't. But you can't. I can disciple some, you can disciple some, you can disciple some. They can be in a small group. Listen, we are after fulfilling the purpose of God for us as a church. And I believe God has great things ahead of us.
great things. And it's not just about salvations. It's about marriages. It's about kids. It's about discipleship. It's about learning the Word of God through a systematic process of studying God's Word. What does it mean? It's about training you to be a missionary so you can go and fulfill God's call in your life. It's about all these different aspects of making a difference. And so this is the journey we're on. And I want you to know, I'm incredibly privileged, more than I can express with words, to walk this journey with you. And I'm believing that the Lord puts that same feeling in your heart to be a part of this church. And I'm thankful for 2017, but I'm expectant for 2018. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.